0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Joe Mowry here with Casey. Say hello, Casey. Hello, Casey. (laughs) Awesome. Morning. Awesome. Folks, it's June 6, 2022. Um, We're on episode number two, but depending on editing, this might be episode number one. So we're going to roll with it. And we always start with the best and the worst of the week. Casey, why don't you kick us off with your best of the week? Um, there's a lot to share, Joe. So I, I'm going to try and
1: just give it to you in bullet points. I thought, um, I thought honestly, you know, taking a leap of faith and trying the podcast was awesome last week. I mean, we did it. Now we need to listen to it. And uh, <laughs> here's raise a cup of Joe to raise Joe a cup of, of Joe okay. to
0: Casey and Joe. All right, there there you go. There So
1: you know, trying something different—that's great. Um, couple, a few things happened work-wise, which were awesome. We had this uh, dinner. Uh, For a bunch of our clients and prospects last Tuesday night and um, it was wonderful. It was had to do with captive insurance offerings. We had about 30 people there. We had a lot of interested parties. It was a nice time, very relaxed, some drinks, some great food and um, I had fun. I had fun and it's been interesting. I've had a number of people reach out afterwards to follow up. So uh, that was great. Honestly, like I said, I had a great week. Friday had a client celebrating their third anniversary. Long long story, real short, um, their previous, uh, the previous company just all of a sudden shut down one day. Boom. Like today we're in business, tomorrow we're not. And um, they call it firing day. They all got fired and then they started up a brand new company with all the same people, but a different owner and so on. So they call it firing day and they had their third anniversary and they're doing really well. So That's that was awesome. awesome. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Joe, we got a couple a a bunch of new people hired here. And I talked with two of them last week, Jack and Adrian, Adrian down in Miami, Jack here in Orlando. And I got to say, it's a lot of fun seeing the the new guys come in uh, really enthusiastic, uh, ready to learn. And if anybody says, oh, yeah, this this uh, this new generation, they don't want to hustle. They don't want to work hey, they're not talking to the people I'm talking to
0: because I enjoyed it and I'm excited to have them on board. How about you? Well, uh, first off, let me let me echo your your comments on the captive dinner. Uh, I thought, first off, it's great to be in a nice environment with people sharing stuff, sharing their stories, sharing what's worked for them. Um, Just being together with people after, you know, two years of not doing that, I, I think was really nice. And of course, doesn't hurt that it was a great steak dinner at Christner's, which i think is awesome and um I, I met some of our our fellow clients which i don't get to meet your clients typically unless we're you know working on them together so it was great to have um just casual conversation with with uh, a bunch of interesting folks um and i did uh, i believe that gentleman's name was george who we talked about firing day is that right correct I gotta tell you what an interesting story and it's always great to see a company make it to their third anniversary, right? I and mean, third to three years, it means we're doing something right. People believe in us, both our employees and our clients. I think that's awesome. And then the new people, I quite honestly, Casey, I think we need those high. I'm stickers. <laughs> so we know because invariably you're gonna turn around and go, aren't you you know Dolores? No, I'm Medna or whatever. So, uh, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, somebody could totally, you know, when you think about the,
1: the the guy back, you know, what, 30, 40 years ago in the 60s that used to impersonate uh, like airline pilots or surgeons right. and so on. Someone could totally walk into this place and say, hey, yeah, no, I'm, I'm from the Jacksonville branch. I'm from I'm from I'm the, I'm the new guy from Tampa and we wouldn't know the difference. You know, that's they're, right. They're that's grabbing right.
0: computers. They're walking out with stuff. That's right. Anything yeah. can happen here. Yeah. How do you break into the security of Orlando, or excuse me, of uh, Highland Lake Mary? Just walk in, and say you're a new employee, you're, you'll be fine. So, so I'll I'll share a few uh, a few things. Um, so, we're going to start out with a quiz that'll lead us to. It wasn't horrible, but to me, it was you know kind of crazy. Do you do you see you you know what that is on the left hand side there, Casey? It looks like a pressure
1: washer. A commercial-grade commercial pressure washer. Commercial-grade pressure washer. I think, I think you're starts, very
0: proud of it. Starts on the first or second pull after sitting for a year or two. No issues. I I love that. It's a Honda motor. I'm a car guy. I'm a motors guy. Great thing. And by the way, I I filled up the tires. They're still holding air today, which typically they're flat. So if you combine that pressure washer with that fence, what do you think you get? I don't know, but I know you're going to tell us. That's right. So if you take said pressure washer and position it to the back of the house where you can pressure wash around the pool, but there's a fence around the pool and you go to pool start it, right? Your elbow just might encounter those four bolts on its way back, right? (laughs) So... Uh, day of chores on Saturday. I was trying to be, you know, productive and, you know, uh, not not go out and do something crazy like fly or play golf or whatever. I said, you know what? I'm going to pressure wash around the pool. And so I get everything positioned, which is not easy because you got to run the water line, you got to connect all the hoses and everything. Um, I put that thing, and then in a confined space, I pull back with that uh. first, you know, manly, I'm going to start this on the fridge. Bam! And I said, yeah. And I won't show it on the thing here, but I still have the deep gouts that was, you know, I contemplated going to get stitches on because I didn't, you know, it didn't bleed much, but I chunked out a piece of my my arm there. So any I, any, um, any choice words you shared with the family when that happened? Uh, you know, what's funny is I went to my my oldest son, Andrew, who turned 15 on Saturday, which is great. Um, I said, hey, Andrew, I think you're going to need to come over here and hold this shut while I tape it. And so I had to ask my son for assistance, because if you ever tried to do anything with one hand on your butt, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. So um, I right. go to the world of self-inflicted wounds. Joe. That's right. That's right. I actually was pretty excited because I was thinking. If I have to go get stitches at the accident policy, there's gotta be something in the accident policy pilot that'll pay me to get injured on a Saturday doing a home project, right? All right, the next thing I thought was was really great, that was, I would say my worst of the week, um, is uh, goats are giving firefighters in Northern California an assist. All right, so stay with me on this one. My mom grew up as a farmer. Right. She had one of seven kids. And when we the kids, I'm the youngest of 3 were growing up. What happened? My mom said, you know, if you get into college, I'll help you pay for it. Right. Well, I didn't know that my mom actually turned around and borrowed the money from my aunt. Right. To help me pay for school. So I ended up with some student loans, but mom paid for we'll call it half. Right. And then would send me money. You know, when you're in college, you need money. Because you're not working until I started a job. So my mom's sister, Edith, was the goat farmer. And she literally had retired from three jobs. Her and her husband had a ranch and they had a bunch of goats. So anytime I see a story with goats on it, I get, you know, amused and interested. Here's what they're doing with goats out in California. They take about 100 goats. And in two days, 100 goats can clear out two or three acres of underbrush. They just eat it all and poop it out. And they prevent the spreading of forest fires. So, they—it's oh, excuse me, about 400 goats can clear two acres in a day and get places mowers can't reach. And it's a program that's good for the goats and good for the firefighters, and it clearly works. CBS 13 reports that the goats recently cleared underbrush near a housing complex, and when a blaze started in the area, their fire breaks kept the flames from going near the homes. It all comes back to goats, Casey. That's pretty impressive. I wonder...
1: uh... You know, here in Central Florida, we, uh, you know, from now until September, the our lawns need to be cut about what twice a week. Correct. There might be an opportunity there for an eco-friendly uh, entrepreneur to hey, yep, let, let my goats uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your lawn for a uh, few hours, and
0: uh, you're good to go. That's right. Well, anyways, I saw that you know as a good news article. I'm like, you know what, that's pretty cool. So, all right. Lastly. Um, I did my flight of the week and this week we went to Waycross County, Georgia. Waycross, Ware County Airport, K-A-Y-S, up in Waycross. And I gotta tell you, it was so cool because we were the only plane there. The guy came out and greeted us. He was filling up our tanks as soon as we said, hey, we need them filled up. And then he came in and he was one guy running the whole little airport and they had all these model planes hanging from the ceiling. And on our way there, you can see the, uh, the the lovely city of Jacksonville there in that lower center picture. Um, but it was a good flight; it was smooth. It was a little longer than I wanted it to be. Uh, Waycross is you know two and a half hours, three hours by car. Uh, we got up there in about an hour and twenty or so, and it was just a, a great flight with uh, with the new flight instructor. So from a little journey statement, I love that flight. Um, it was easy smooth air and then there was nice people at the end the only thing that would have been better is if we had you know had time to go for barbecue or something but we didn't so, i was going to ask what uh,
1: what uh, compelled you to go to Waycross? cross was it just to uh, you know check the box needed
0: to get some flight time in so um, i believe in when i when i try to do something i'm trying to check a lot of boxes so thank you for the intro uh, number 1 when i flight train in this this portion of my flight training you have to go a minimum of 150 miles on your cross country So it had to be at least a decent distance. Second, um, Waycross has three um, runways. They intersect at odd angles. So no matter if there's a crosswind, you always have a good runway that you can utilize. And third, um, I'm going to put together a golf trip that takes us to some of the southern Georgia golf uh, courses that are rated highly and so there's one near Waycross, and I said I better check out the airport, determine if it's a good place to go, so that when we put together the golf trip, I know what it's like. So, there you go. Wow, that, the- that, that's gonna that's gonna be a
1: lot of fun. You got a friendly uh, friendly people at Waycross Airport. You have golf and likely barbecue all in one day. What could be better?
0: Right. Well, I, I, if I can make that happen, to me, it, that to me sounds like not a perfect day, but. Pretty doggone close to it. And by the way, he fueled us up. And you ever notice how when service is great, you tip. I gave the guy 20 bucks and I said, go have lunch on me. Thank you for your hospitality. And he was just the kindest southern gentleman that that you could ask for. Don't remember his name, but I'm sure he's the only guy that works there. So Yeah, that's uh, awesome. That's a great story. All right, last one. Um, so I posted this on Facebook. Can you see this? Don't try to read it, I'll, I'll summarize. There's a lot there. Thank um, you. But one of the things that I see a lot of is I see a lot of folks that that um, post what they call data, but is actually opinions when it comes to electric vehicles. As you know, I have a Tesla. And so what I did was I pulled my data from January till May, because we just started June. And I said, how much did I pay for my gas, which is electric, uh, during that time. Uh, So here's what we came up with. 2,093 kilowatt hours were added at home, right? There was stuff added outside of home. Um, I used, I drove 8,000 miles, 8,500 miles. The total cost of those kilowatt hours was $345, about 4 cents a mile, okay? So, yeah, so I, I wanted to post this because I wanted to show people my data not interpolated, not pulled from somewhere else. This is what I paid to drive 8,000 miles with, with my car. And it was amazing what people posted after this. They were like, can you also calculate this additional data? Um, you're, not, you're not factoring in how much it costs to put in the, the, the um, charging receptacle. And I thought it was interesting that people wanted to modify the data, right? Which certainly doesn't include all the data globally over a year and a half. But it was from this part to this part. How much did I drive? How much did I pay for the electric? No other cost. Just look at it for that data. Right. And it it got a lot of discussion going, Case. People were pretty well, excited it, about it. Yeah,
1: forgive me. I think that's awesome because I had I had no idea. I don't drive an electric vehicle. And you know, the the the, the direct comparison is you're paying you're paying uh, five bucks for a gallon of gas here in central Florida now. One important question though, given given your uh, escapade this last weekend, the electric vehicles do not have a, a pull engine start, do they? <laughs> no. Good. No, just,
0: no. I'd be a little concerned, Joe, because I, right. I know you're driving a little bit and so on. Awesome. Awesome. And Casey, any other worst or anything before we pivot over to Christina and the core question of the week? I'd like to yeah. You know what? I had such a good week last week and I was like, you know, life
1: is pretty good. So I went back to a um something that happened a number of years ago. What this is, this is the best of my worst. You know, this is how bad I can be. So I was on vacation with my then girlfriend, now wife, in San Francisco, you know, beautiful area, Northern California. We were there with her son, my stepson now, and we were in Gir- Giardelli Square. Have you ever been there? You know, big tourist place. No, um, but San I know Francisco. the chocolate. The yeah, same. chocolate, yeah, the whole thing. So we're there, it's a bright, sunny day, it's pretty. And we all went in and got root beer floats, and I don't know why, but for some reason I was sulking and pouting because my root beer float wasn't thick enough, you know, <laughs> like like I couldn't go back in and give the guy five bucks and get some more ice cream, right? And I was like, man, what a jerk I am! So fortunately, <laughs> I came to that realization. That was my worst, and expressed that to my uh, then girlfriend, whom agreed with me completely. And uh, that's probably one of the reasons why we uh, continued to date and are now husband and wife. So that was my worst, Um, just a a crappy attitude on a gorgeous day. And so I'm celebrating having
0: four or five great things happen last week and looking forward to another good week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Casey, thank you for that interesting story that you had to pull from your years of archives. uh, How far back? Because you're such a positive guy. We get it. We know you're a positive guy. So let's pivot over to Christine. Christine, are you there? And are you ready with the core question of the week? I'm here. Good morning, guys. So morning. I have sort of a wholesome one for you today. What is one of the bravest things you've ever seen someone do? Bravest things you've ever seen? I have seen. one. I
1: have one. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, Casey. You know, my um, my when we grew up in upstate New York uh, we lived in a suburb and my little sister, I was probably eight or nine. My little sister was a year or two younger than I I was. And she went walking over to a a neighbor's house and she was going alongside the outside of this other neighbor's house. And they let two dogs, very well-trained dogs, but they were Rottweilers or something out. And they go running right up to my sister, and um, started barking, 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 and, and my little sister froze. And I remember seeing my dad run out of our house, run up, grab grab my daughter, my you know, his daughter, my sister, and kick the dogs or try to, you know, kick the dogs. And then like that, the people ran out and, um, and yelled at my dad for kicking the dog. How can you do that? And he was like, he was like, you're the animals that you would do that to a little girl. And he goes, he goes, uh, I forget what else he said, but I was never so proud of my dad to just, you know, not even not even care about the dogs or their teeth or anything because he want, had a daughter to protect. I thought that was awesome.
0: Wow. geez, Case. I love the fact you pulled out a, a dad story in, in light of Father's Day coming. The bravest thing. I, I, I think I have two. Right. And I'll continue with the dad theme. Uh, when I was a kid from, from 10 years old to 15, I had a paper route. And that means I delivered papers for those of you who don't know what that is. And I, every afternoon we had an afternoon paper, <laughs> which means that every afternoon there was a paper that was that was delivered just like the morning newspaper is. Most places just have morning. Back in the day, we had morning and afternoon. And I would deliver papers, and every week we had to collect. And that means you had to go house to house to house and collect the money for that week's paper, right? Um, and it was a you know manual process. You had a green Book and you had to write in people's names, how much they paid you. And a lot of times, due to, we'll say, government assistance, people didn't have money on the week before the government checks and the week of the government checks. You had to get them right that day that government check arrived, right? Or you would have a problem um, collecting because the money was typically gone. So I went to this one house. It was in the 600 block of North Lime Street. Um, They hadn't been a customer long. And they were in a a row home and the first floor was one apartment building. The second floor was another apartment and then the third floor or whatever. So I knocked on the door and um, the guy that answered was belligerent and he was rough. And I was I was older than 10. I was probably about 13 at that point. Right. And I used my bike to ride everywhere to go collect because it was just more efficient. And and at some point he was yelling at me and I was just collecting the money. And I felt very scared and I ran out of his apartment, not through the door I came in on, like through it because I thought this guy was crazy. I got on my bike and I rode home and my dad was home. And I said, dad, this guy just like basically was attacking me. And my dad got in his car and we went back to that guy's place. And my dad confronted him and said, you're not gonna treat my son like that. Don't ever do that again, pay your money. And it was really an act of, of dad stepping in and, and being, you know, a protector of, of his son, keep in mind that his son at 12 or 13 already had a job for two years. Right. So he's out in the public dealing things. I got to tell you, that was that was pretty impressive. The other thing was when I was when I was on a, that paper route, there was a kid uh, who lived near the paper route, but he wasn't a customer. His family wasn't a customer. And I would have to drive by or uh, deliver papers near his house. And then I kept on going. And he was a bully. And like if ever I saw him, I tried not to make eye contact with him because he was bigger than I was. And and he called me bad names and stuff. And I really didn't know him. And uh, uh, I think one time I asked him if he needed help because he was working on his bike and he he told me, uh, you know, profanity, profanity, blah, blah, blah. So um, one time when I was uh, riding on my bike home, uh, I passed through the church parking lot. And he was there with a bunch of kids, you know, kind of playing. And he calls me out in front of these uh, in front of these kids. And when you're 13 or 14, that's a big deal. Right. Right. That's a that's a game changer in your little adolescent life. Well, I my house was a block away. I went to my house. I threw down my bike and I went back over and I confronted him. And we had the briefest of scuffles and uh, um, he never bothered bothered with me again. Uh, won or lost? Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody won or lost that. People just pulled us away from each other. But he never bothered me again. So that was probably the bravest thing that I have ever did. When, I, especially when you're younger, you know, you just have that. You're not gonna mess with me anymore. So, good for you. Chris, you had to. You had to. Um, you had to stand up to him. Yeah, and and he was just one of those loudmouth guys that you know. If I thought about uh, for a while, I'd probably re- be able to remember his name. I'd love to look him up and make sure he's a degenerate now just like he was back then that would make me feel good that would be the circle of life right he was a degenerate back then right and he was a jerk to be so i'd really like for him to be a degenerate and you know anyways all right guys casey anything else to add as we wrap up that looks like another great week in central florida look forward to seeing you again all right thanks
1: guys have a great week from casey and joe all right bye-bye